Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius. I don't know me again. We were going through the letters of Apostle Paul to the Colossians. And we are in chapter 2 of Colossians. And Apostle Paul in this letter was revealing to the Colossians, which is to every believer. That's why God kept these books for us. He wrote letter to the Ephesians that is similar revelation of who God is. Christ is the fullness of the Godhead. He's writing the same thing in many other words. In, in similar words, but it's the same thing to the Colossians. According to this letter of Colossians, he also said that he, he, he knew about the church in Laodicea also. And there's another place where he said they should read the epistle to the Laodiceans also, which means Apostle Paul wrote to the Laodiceans also. Most likely we're teaching the same thing in many other words or similar words. But you see, that this is what I compiled to, for us here, make us to know exactly what Apostle Paul was teaching in his generation. That Christ is the fullness of the Godhead. But you see that in verse 9 of Colossians chapter 2. That we are complete in Christ. Don't let anybody deceive you. Try to say you need Christ and then you also need this also. No. Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Every other thing is just live for him. Live for Jesus Christ. And he is going to perfect us through the Holy Spirit in us. But some people are trying to mix Christ with Judaism. No, it is false. Amalgamation. Some are trying to make Christ a secondary and say they will just pray to his mother Mary. No, they were deceived. Some are trying to say, well, we just go straight to Jehovah and put Christ on the, on the, on the side. No, they were also deceived because Jehovah is what manifested as Jesus Christ on earth when he put on human flesh. That was what Apostle Paul was revealing. He says, a mystery. Say, it is, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are completing him. So let no man despise, no, beguile you through all these enticing words. And another denomination group said, well, or another religion said, well, the belief Christ is just a prophet, the, Muhammad, the Islam Muhammadans. Oh, they say, he's a prophet, all right. But uh, he sent another, another prophet again. That's the final one, no? And they are deceived also. Christ is the fullness of the Godhead, but without him, there's no savior. See? And many other prophets came and tried to make themselves great and and say, oh yeah, we believe Christ, but he sent us to tell you this also. No? If they are telling you this and it's contrary to what the Bible has already told us, they are false. That's why Apostle Paul was the one that laid the foundation of the church of the living God. The foundation was built on the apostles and prophets. So anything that is contrary to those foundations that they have laid out, that say Christ is the fullness of the God, that say God manifested in the flesh, put on human flesh, and was preached to the Gentiles and went up the glory and is coming back, to take his bride. Anyone that is contrary to that, any teaching that is contrary to that, any any religion that is contrary to that, they are false. Trying to deceive you not to follow Christ. So that is very important that you know that. Now let's continue because I was now in verse 15 of Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to continue this. I said, Christ spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over these principalities and powers in his death and resurrection. Death Burial and resurrection. He came out by himself. All the powers of hell couldn't hold him. He, 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 he whipped them and took the keys of hell and of death. And so Satan now has to obey him. And because we are in Christ Jesus, Satan has to obey us because what we are commanding, we are commanding in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has to obey us. All the powers of hell must obey us. That's what Jesus Christ meant when he said, The gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Because the church is his body. And if he is the head and the body, the head and the body are one. 
So if, if everything is subdued under Christ, it is subdued under his, under his body, the church. Now verse 16 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day of the new moon of the Sabbath day. Now he is saying it because that was one of the things that the Jews that don't believe or that trying to mix themselves with the Christians just for deception, trying to bring them back under bondage of Judaism. They were trying to push, you have to come for, for, the, for the holy day of uh, whatever they call it. They have so many holy days in, in Israel up to now. Some Christians are still trying to follow that holy day. Not just the Sabbath. Sabbath is one day we say Sabbath, Saturday, that they have to meet. And they are, the Christians were meeting to represent when the day Jesus Christ was resurrected from the day was Sunday, the first day of the week. That was when Jesus Christ was resurrected. So the apostles and the Christians they started meeting to see, to to honor the day Jesus Christ resurrected from the day. That was why Sunday was chosen. But the Jews that don't believe wanted to keep that Sabbath because their Sabbath through Moses was Friday night is Saturday. And they your Saturday is the, the Saturday evening is when the Sabbath ends. So they start their Sabbath Friday at 6 p.m. and end at Saturday at 6 p.m. That's what they call it Sabbath day. And that was when they normally meet in the in their old old tradition. So when the Christians are now all over the all over the places and they are meeting on Sunday, these Jews wanted to stop them. And because they are Jews among the Christians. And they're trying to say, well, we want to follow you, but you have to come to Sabbath. Or you have to come to this tradition where everyone must gather in Jerusalem. All of those you must gather in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ told them in the in the Gospel of uh, John chapter 4. He was telling the woman and the well. He said, they said you have to come to Jerusalem to worship God. And our father said we should be on this mountain to worship God. Messiah will tell us the truth. He said, I am the Messiah. From now on, it's not in Jerusalem, nor in on this mountain. You worship God, you don't worship our worshiping. God wants people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Not in Jerusalem. But the Jews that didn't believe are still saying, Well, you have to come for the feast of tabernacles. The feast of tabernacles. And they, some Christians right now up to now are trying to promote all those things. Oh, feast of tabernacles. Oh, uh, Anuka, Feast of Anuka, which is all those traditions of the Jews. And some Christians are trying to honor the Jews, so to say, we are your friends. The Apostle Paul does not go by, by that. So we have to follow the principles of the New Testament. All of those things, they can keep it as their tradition in, the, in, in the Judaism. But we are not following Judaism, we are following Christ. See? And so that's what Apostle Paul said. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, because they also were pushing, the Jews were also pushing, you must not eat this. Or you must eat kosher meat, kosher food, kosher bread, or anything that's called kosher meat. They, you can't just eat a meat that is not slaughtered and spew its blood out, and anything they call kosher. Like that. But those are all just their tradition. But they are trying to superimpose and compel that if you are going to really be following this Jehovah, you must do it the way we were doing it by my tradition. When their tradition didn't save them, and their tradition killed the Messiah, and Christ has laid a new foundation through the apostles. So that's what Apostle Paul is addressing in verse 16 here. So let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in the respect of an holy day. What's the holy day? This, uh, uh, the Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Anoka. They are all those type of things they have in Jerusalem. He said, don't let them. Don't let anybody judge you with that holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath day. Because those are all the things they, they observe in Judaism. 
Paul said, these are just a shadow of things to come from the revelation God told Apostle Paul. He said, oh, God put those things for them through Moses that to be doing this because it's actually a shadow of things to come. Like the Sabbath day God instituted through, through Moses when God told Moses that he created the world in six days and seven days God rested. He was not talking that God is already resting since that seven day. Jesus Christ said, my father walked is that one and I still walk. He was symbolizing the 7,000 millennial rest of God that is still coming. 1,000 years. You go and read that in the book of Revelation chapter 20. That there will be a 1,000 year reign of Christ when there will be peace on earth. Even the lion and the lambs will be eating together. God will rest and Satan will be locked up in the bottomless pit. That includes Satan and all his demons. So there will be a peace on earth. That is the rest of God. But God is proverbially telling them in the days of Moses that seven days should be a symbol of one day a week they should rest, one day a week they should rest. So they don't make it like a law to the point that they were accusing Jesus Christ that you are not resting. And so they God said, Jesus Christ said, you don't understand what the rest is all about, that God instituted. He, the rest, he said the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That that seven day rest they are doing every week, it's just a symbol. It is made for men, so that they can rest physically and not, uh, and not, exercise, and not uh, expend all their energy. So that they won't be falling sick. That was the purpose God made them to rest one day. Even the animals should be allowed to rest because they have been working all week. And God told them that. But it's not like it's become a law that you don't you are going to be displeasing God. It's for your own body. But Christ is saying that is actually a shadow of things to come. When God instituted those things, even all those feasts were a shadow of things to come. God was giving them those feasts as a shadow of what God is doing, what God is going to do for mankind. But when people that are looking in the physical, we miss all of those things because they are spiritually inclined. Verse 18. Read verse 17. It says, We shall a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So Apostle is sign the warning also because some people will be trying to say, oh, yeah, this talking about angels and so on. He said, don't let them deceive you. You just have Christ. Verse 19. And he said, these people, they talk about all these peripheral things, worshiping of angels, and they are not holding the head which from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increasing with the increase of God. The head is Christ is the head. So just have Christ and you have everything. All this idea, you have to worship these angels. All those, he said, they are, they are not to divert your attention from Christ Jesus. Verse 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ, we are dead with Christ by the baptism. We are to, we are to, we are to you have faith like that. We are dead with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. So I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. He said, wherefore, if ye be dead, with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye still subject to ordinances? What are the ordinances? All these extra rules. Touch this not. Taste not this. Undo this not. He said, You are already dead with Christ. So all of those laws and rules should not even be bothering you because you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. He said, All these things are, are things that we perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a shoe of wisdom. Some of those things have wisdom in them. In will worship and humility 
and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfaction of the flesh. He said some of those things, they may even say they have there's some wisdom in this. Don't eat this kind of food. It might, if it may be wisdom, it might injure your body. Don't do this part of thing. But they are not the laws that we rule our life. We are to listen to the Spirit of God in us. And when we have followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, say that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we don't impose that, all those ordinances, touch this not, tasting not as if it's the Lord as we post upon everybody. Because God can actually be leading you out to treat your own body and different from how this body should watch you, this person eat. Because every man's body is different when it comes to the composition. Take, for example, a, this fellow, one particular person may have some sickness in their body. So the doctor may tell him that you take this vitamin also. But this, his brother may not have that sickness, so he doesn't need that vitamin. If that brother may have another sickness, then he needs a different type of vitamin, according to the medical world also. So the same way, you can't overimpose upon everybody. Everybody must take in this vitamin because that man has it, everybody must take in it. You may be, that vitamin may be poisoning the other person. So that's why being led by the Spirit of God is what you need in this case. So God can see what you need in your body and tell you what to do for your own body. When it comes to all these things that look like wisdom, you say, touch not, taste not, don't eat this, don't eat that. He said, they are all doctrines of men. Just, oh Christ, who is going to lead you and direct you by the Holy Spirit inside you as you follow his, his, his word. So all these other peripheral things, they are not the ones that should be directing our life by these commandments of men. And so, now I'm continuing to chapter 3 of Colossians. Because the letters of Apostle Paul, you have to remember, they are just a letter. They are not actually written in chapters and verses. It was partitioned for reference by the people that compiled the Bible. It's just a letter. So, continuation of chapter 3 is just continuation of chapter 2. So, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, Seek those things which are above. Now he's giving us exhortation now. How we should be conducting ourselves. Since we say we have been crucified with Christ, we are buried with him by baptism, and we have risen from with him when Christ, when God raised us up with Christ. He said, Now you are now to be seeking things that are above. We are Christ seated on the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, how do I do that? Well, it's just telling you what you should be setting your mind on. People always talk about well, how to make money, how to do this, how to get more wealth. These are earthly things. God has already said that you have to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What does that mean, and His righteousness? The way the kingdom of God should operate. All, that, all the things that means, what it means to be in the kingdom of God is the righteousness of the kingdom of God. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That is how to do things right in the kingdom of God. It's what we mean by His righteousness. So if you are doing things right according to the kingdom of God, say, God, we add all these other things unto you. That is what you need, the food you need, the extra money you need. And you supply your need when you seek His kingdom first. And the righteousness of the kingdom, that is the way the kingdom of God should operate, how to please God, how we should be doing things the right way if we are members of that kingdom. That is what it means to be seeking His righteousness. He said, then let us such you set your affection on things above. That's how you set your affection. That is what you'll be setting your affection upon. How to please God. How to grow, how to grow up in faith, to go in the rapture. When that is your paramount something, that doesn't mean that you will not go to your job. You still go to your job, 
but your heart is on things above. Things that will please God, which we have to do with how you also cooperate your life, how you conduct your life around people. See, that's things that will please God. How to live in humility, how to live in love, how to, have for, to forgive people, and how to walk in long-suffering and patience. Those are the things that please God. That is, that is the righteousness of the kingdom of God. How not to do corruption, how not to embezzle money. So those are all the things that should be your lifestyle. You see that those are the righteousness of the kingdom of God. So when you are seeking that, all these other things will be added to you. Now, the money you need to feed yourself, to feed your family, God will be supplying it by promoting you, by shocking the mouth of all the devourers that are making people just lose money for no, for nothing. Because if you are spending your money on on doctors and medicine and accidents and so on, you are wasting the money, you see. The money you should use to feed yourself. God said, I will, I will block all those devourers for you so that your money will be enough and sufficient for you. That's, how, that's a blessing in itself. And that's what God is saying. When you seek first the kingdom of God and the way the kingdom of God operates, that is how you should conduct yourself in righteousness as a member of the kingdom. That's what you mean by seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. Then God will be taking care of the rest of your business. Amen. So continue with chapter 3. He said, Set your affection on things above as to not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. We are dead. We have to count ourselves to be dead to all this sinful world. So what do you mean by to be saying you are dead? That means if somebody said, This man is the one that stole my money. Ah, a dead man can't steal your money. The man is dead. That's how you should reckon yourself to be dead to all those sinful things. They say, Oh, this man committed adultery with my wife. He can't commit adultery because the man is dead. That would be a false accusation for someone that is dead. So that is how you should reckon yourself as dead to sin. When the sin is inviting you to come and participate, you have to say, oh, I am dead. It may remind me of a man that was a minister and he was standing on the street and a, a go-go woman passed by, that's an adulteress or a, or a prostitute, and, and walked towards that man and said, you like a, a, a woman for the night? And the man looked at the, at the person and said, no, I'm dead. Say, hey, you are dead? Sorry, I don't know. What happened? Have you checked with the doctor? Say, no, I don't need to check the doctors. I'm dead with Christ. Oh, the man ran away. That's because the man is a, pro, is a minister of the gospel. That's how we are to reckon ourselves as dead to fornication. We are dead to adultery. We are dead to stealing. We are dead to corruption. We are dead to bribery. Somebody say, well, I will give some money to you. Help me do this. No, you don't need your money. If it's my job to do, I will do it for you. You don't need to even thank me. I'm just doing my job. I'm dead to bribery. I'm dead to corruption. That is how we should conduct our life. That's what the Bible says. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Say, so how are you going to make it then? God is the one that's going to be making it for you. That's what the Bible says. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these other things that people are running after, God will add it to you without you laboring for it. So that's what he means by saying, We are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4 of Colossians chapter 3. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. When Christ is coming back soon, when he shall appear, we shall be with him in glory. Verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. The word mortify means mortuary. Remember what mortuary means? Put to death. That is. Reckon your members, your members, your hands, your eyes, your mouth, your thinking, everything about you. He said, put them to death so that they don't do all these sins. 
reckon them to be as dead to fornication because what is fornication? You want to go and sleep with somebody uh, that, is, uh, that is not your wife? You use your hand to grab the woman, you use your mouth to kiss the woman. Say, if you say, My hand is dead, my eyes are dead, they won't be grabbing the other person's wife. No, so, so that's why you reckon you mortify the your members which are upon the earth. Is a fornication, uncleanness that's like smoking cigarettes and all those other things, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness that's greediness, which is idolatry as they are worshiping themselves. They want money for themselves or, and not for anybody else. That is what it means by it is idolatry, self-worship. Verse 6, therefore, which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience? Verse 7, we were once like that before, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. Say, but now, verse 8, if ye have been born again, ye also put off all this. It's telling us what we should put off so that we don't let all this remain in us. Anger, Wrath, malice. Malice is when you want to, be, you want to avenge yourself that this man did wrong, and you are looking for how to how to hold the person back. See, that's malice. Get it out of your mind. Just forgive. Blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mind. Put them off of you, and just pray for people and bless them. And the Lord will help us to do that. Verse nine. Say, lie not one to another, because the Bible says all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Lie not one to another. Seeing that ye have put off the old man, which is this, that is, the devil is the old man. We have put off the devil's behaviors. We are no more behaving like that. And, and verse 10 says, And we have put on the new man. Christ is the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Verse 11 says, And we are the new man. See, the new man is our new, our new nature. It's a new nature. Christ has created us. The new nature in us is what we have put on. It's like a cloth. We put it on right now. That's what we are. The new man. Verse 11 says, we are, the, verse 10 says, we are put on a new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And the created us, there is no Greek nor Jew. Verse 11. There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or circumcision or barbarian or Scythian or bond or free. But Christ is all and in all. Christ is in all and is all of us that are born again and is in, with all of us. Verse 12 says, put on therefore, it's using the word put on like a, like a cloth. You put off the old cloth, old garment of sin, and now you are putting on the new garment, garment of holiness, righteousness, gentleness. That's what he's saying. He's, put, he's, he's using different attributes to describe the same thing. That is a new life that we have, and we have, we have to live that new life for Christ. Verse, 10, verse 12 says, Put on therefore, as the elect of God, God has selected us, we are holy and beloved. We have to put on bowels of mercies, showing mercy to people, kindness to people. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another. I mean, forbear. Somebody offend you, forget it, forgive them. Your spouse offended you, forget it, forgive them. Look like they uh, insisting that you have to do this. They forbear. Don't say, I must have my way. No, don't have to have your way. Forbearing one another. And forgiving one another. This is in the household of God because we are still human beings. Somebody may rob you roughly. Somebody may step on your toes, even among the believers, they say, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, against any, whether Christians or non-Christians, if you have a quarrel against any, forgive them. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So let's pray for ourselves. Father, I pray for all that have offended me, I forgive them. If you pray that prayer for yourself also, and say, Lord, I forgive for all them that have offended me, and forgive me for, 
for any offense I've done to anybody, any, any injury that I've caused to anybody. Father, forgive me. I forgive all them that have injured me, and the Lord will forgive him. Verse 14. And above all these things, put on charity, that's love, divine love, which is the bond of perfectness. That love is not just for giving money or giving things, it also has to do with gentleness and kindness, and that is love. Verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, the peace of God which will rule in our hearts. And be ye thankful. One of the very important things to so always remember that we don't become Christians by our own doing. God called us, so we should be thankful, grateful to God that He called us to be holy and He's given us the power to be able to live that holy life and always be thankful to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why I say, and be ye thankful. Verse 16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's, the, that's why we say you must read the Bible daily in the New Testament, read it, meditate on it, even sometimes memorize some Bible verses just to be able to. Quoted the way it was written. Let that word dwell in our heart richly. Richly means just as we are saying it with our mouth, we are also living that lifestyle. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So that's how we should be living our life, singing to the Lord in our hearts, being grateful and praising Him because when we are full of praises, God is living with us and with us. Verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. This is very important that we must be remembering that we are serving the Lord. Everything we are doing, we are doing it for the Lord. He said, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we are doing righteousness, don't think it's your good, it's your power that is making you do the righteous work or you are being helpful to somebody. Don't try to Puff up here as if you are the one that is so nice and and uh, holy. You say it is through the Lord Jesus Christ that I am able to do this. It is Christ that is doing this thing through me. When you are doing that, you are giving honor to the Lord Jesus Christ and you are being grateful to God who saved you. So that's why he said, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Christ. So when we are thanking the Lord, we are thanking the Lord through our Lord Jesus Christ who has made it possible for us to even be able to approach heaven. Now, verse 18 is key. It's going to begin to address personal things like wives and husbands and children and fathers, how we should treat one another. Verse 18 says, Wives, now this is to the women that are married, submit yourself unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Submission is very important. What do you mean by submit? It means let the husband be the leader of the house. What he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, is to be accepted as by your wife, not 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 rejected and say no, my, my only my will must my my will or no way. No, it's submit. Let the husband be the one that's making decisions. You can make suggestions with prayer, and if he doesn't take and say this is where I'm going to go, you submit to that. If he's making a mistake, you pray and God will change that. God can turn the heart of you, the ruler that's making a mistake. But if you say we are going to revolt, no, that becomes violence. And God is not author of confusion. God is not an author of uh, rebellion. God punishes rebellion. You say, well, this man is making a mistake. He's leading us in the wrong direction. You pray. You have given your own suggestion. You pray for your, your spouse, your husband, and see how God can turn him around to see that maybe your suggestion is the better one. Say, but if you are rebellious, God will just fold his hand and let you begin to fight one another as you are going in the wrong direction. So what he is saying is that 
wife, submit yourself to your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. We have to submit to Christ. Sometimes where he's leading us look like this is not the right one. We are being led into Mercedes. That's why he says trust the Lord Jesus Christ. When we trust him, we just follow him. When we trust our Lord Jesus Christ, we follow him and he knows better. So we are to trust and follow our husband, praying that the Lord is leading our husband. That's very important. Keep praying. Verse 19 says, Husbands, now to the husbands, say, love your wives and be not bitter against them. What does that mean, bitter? Because many times people get bitterness because this fellow didn't do this, didn't do that. And that's really why Bitterness because someone didn't do something wrong can make them never not forgetting what the fellow did as bitterness. He said, be not bitter against them. Because when people, two people are living together, they can always have some grumblings against one another. Now verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is where pleasing unto the Lord. So that's the addressing the children to obey your, their parents. Fathers. Now you say fathers, that also include the parents. You can see parents, but the responsibility is given to the father. Provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. That's what he summarized for the parents to do. Don't, don't provoke your children to anger. We just encourage them in the way of the Lord. Verse 22. Servants. Now, servants is including those slaves in those days. Or even employees. If you are an employee of somebody, you are a servant. So he's addressing you how you should conduct yourself as a servant or an employee. So that you will be praising the name of Jesus Christ when they see how you are obedient in your place of work. Servants. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Verse 23, now he's summarizing it. And whatever ye do, that's everybody, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Remember that we are serving the Lord. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he has done, and there is no respect of persons. I'm going to continue this in the next chapter.